On this week's episode, we finally learn who is Leviathan. Talk about the new Hill House title, and oh yeah, we got Disney Plus. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. What up, fam? My name is T. As always, I am here with Chris. Hello. That was so mellow. <laughs> you started like, what's up, fam? What's and up? Like, Hi. Hey. <laughs> Our poor boy the- Chris here is now trying to get over the yep. sick that I had been I'm uh, not with. feeling super well, but I got it. I'll manage. He's one of those trooper people that's like, I'm too strong for this. And like, just keeps plowing through. I, I try. Meanwhile, I'll yeah. get sick and I'm like, I'm dying. Uh, but in my defense, I have asthma. And so uh-huh. I, I kind of could die. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's fair. Technically, we all could die, man. Do you know what I'm getting? Like, why is that at any there? point in time? Okay, we're not that type of show. <laughs> you gotta live each day like it's the last, man. We're not doing rent. Let's get back on track to comics. No day but today. So the first comic we're gonna talk about. Drool House Family. Dollhouse. Doll, dollhouse family. Oh, Lord. He's on so much medication right now, you guys. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, so this is written by Mike Carey and Joe Hill. Um, it's one of the Hill House entries. So like uh, we talked about Basketful of Heads a week or two ago. Um, this is another entry in that imprint for DC, the horror imprint that they're doing right now. So... This one starts out, um, I, I don't entirely know if it's going to be, like, a compilation of shorts, um, like, each issue follows a different person, or if it's going to be about the same person throughout the entirety of the series. It is, it is gonna be the same person throughout the entire series, as but, far as I know. Um, the next issue is solicited to be about the same chick. But, so. um, what I really dug about this book is that it's a horror book, and it starts kind of standardy fair. Um, very mm-hmm. normal, like, set up, like, kind of abused girl trying to get away from her problems, you know, enchanted dollhouse, mom, 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 And then it goes sideways at the last page, and it's brilliant. Yep. I appreciate when I am taken off course by a comic. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, like, you know, some sort of evil spirit offers you something, but you've got to do something in return. And I just like that the main protagonist, who's like a young girl, was like, nah. And yeah. just like handles it herself. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's like, it in was charge. crazy. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like what she did. Don't condone it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it took me by surprise. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those where it's like, hey, you know, I can do this, but you got to give me this. And one of those, like, trade-off type things. Uh, but then this girl's just like, nope, no, I got it. Mm-mm, I can handle it. I'll do I it. I handle myself. Yeah. I love that. It It's almost like we always watch these adults being tricked by, like, the devil or dark spirits or, or tricksters like the leprechaun and crap yeah. like that. We always see adults like, oh, no, I have to do this this way or, or it's the end and blah, blah, blah. I don't see another way out. And meanwhile, this, like... 10-year-old girl is just like, I can fix myself. I'm, yeah. I, I got it. I'm fine. It's cool. And I 
for I really appreciate that. I like the twist of like a little girl being like, no, I'm smarter than a demon. Screw you. Yeah, it was cool. I like um the kind of backup story to it, like the I guess like origin story of where this dollhouse came from and stuff. It takes place in like 1800 something Ireland. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how those two narratives tie together. So how like the thing that John Kent is doing, Joseph Kent, Joseph Kent is doing, um, turns around and becomes what this dollhouse is. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it opens with a girl being gifted, being bequeathed, a fancy dollhouse. You start to see that her, you know, home life isn't great. Uh, there's some dysfunction going on there. And then you start to see that the dolls are actually like alive and stuff. And it's also cool. I appreciate that it's take it takes place in a really interesting time and setting. Um, it takes place in like 1970s England. Yeah, which like 70s, is, early 80s. Which is not like a time period or or mm-hmm. setting we normally see. Like you get a lot of like standard. If you're gonna do 70s, you expect like 70s disco, weird, colorful, American, wah. And this is just sort of like. It's kind of like, oh. We I'm going to be just... a dancer, Mr. Formanelli. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We... <laughs> but this is just cool because it's kind of like a normal setting and just sort of like nothing special about it. Yeah. And I, I dig that. I appreciate things being done in a time and place you don't expect. Yeah. It was cool. Uh, it, you know, takes an interesting turn. <laughs> Excuse me. It felt um, kind of like a kind of creepy pasta esque in its like how its story was developed. It's delivering. Like there yeah. was a thing that was ultimately innocuous and normal, and then was suddenly strange. Um, and that's kind of how creepy pastas tend to be. They're like, you know, oh, I had a thermos when I was a kid, and then one day I heard my thermos burp, and like that's the creepy pasta. Yeah. And there's my creepy pasta. <laughs> <laughs> the burpy thermos. One of those like two sentence horror movies. Channel Zero, call me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, that's usually how it goes. It's like, oh, I found a door in my basement. Or like, oh, I found, you know, a picture of myself sleeping under my pillow. It's like normal things that become like. Super creepy. Super creepy. Um, and that's kind of the direction this one takes. But it's got a nice like. You know, almost like Disney movie kind of feel to it. Yeah, that's a good way. But to then, it. like, it's like the dark multiverse of Disney movies. You I know what I mean? That. Man, can we get those? It feels like um, what was that? Like the Indian in the cupboard. Yes. Is that the thing where yes. he's got like little toy Native American guy and then yes. it comes to life? Yeah, it feels like that, but like the dark multiverse. Tales from the dark multiverse. Indian in the cupboard. Can we get that on Disney Plus? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, hey, tangent, we got Disney Plus. We've watched The Mandalorian, and we're going to be talking about it. So stay tuned yeah. for that. Um, quick plug. <laughs> you know what a good time to plug is? Is right in the middle of the episode. In the center. At the of like the eight minute mark, you're just like, <laughs> hey, here's a plug for a future episode. Check it out. Because then you weed out the people that don't actually listen to it. <laughs> I'm going to plug it at the beginning and the end for you people that just, like, 
listen to the beginning and skip to the end. F you. Plugging in the eight minute mark. <laughs> we're we're testing your loyalty. Yeah, it's true. Not really. I'm just on a tangent. Um, next book wanted to talk about was Far Sector number one. Um, this one was really cool. It was written by N.K. Jemison with art and cover art by Jamal Campbell, uh, who did the art for Naomi. Um, oh, okay, got it. And it was really, really cool. I So I've never really gotten into, like, cosmic stuff. Like, both in – I think I've mentioned this when I talked about, like, Silver Surfer Black. Both in Marvel and DC, the cosmic stuff – it really interested in me that much. Like, I'm more into, like, grounded, like, you know, this is Earth. Like, I'm in the alleyways fighting people kind of superheroes. Yeah. The people that can, like, soar through the stars and, like, huck meteors at people, they never really interested me. So, Green Lantern stuff, I never really touched on. Um, I picked this one up, <clears throat> admittedly, for the cover alone. I love the main cover, the Jamal Campbell cover. Yeah. It's just very like regal and cool looking. It is really dope. Um, and essentially what it is, is it's this new young green lantern gets assigned to, you know, with the name of the book to the far sector to like what she describes as like the farthest sector of the like guardian space. Okay. Um, and she's like trying to prove herself and there's just a lot of interesting going on. She's on this planet that's made up of these like three different groups, like three different races that realized that the key to, you know, functioning together and like living a society together is cutting out emotion. So it's like three different tribes, essentially all like running this like major, like metropolis planet. And they even have, like, emotion dampeners. They reference, like, emotion dampeners a lot. Interesting. And the, the races themselves are incredibly different. So, like, one of them is, like, kind of like an amphibious-looking, like, fish people. Okay. Um, They probably look the most human out of all the races. There's a race of, like, plant people. And there's a race of, like, technological people. Like, people that are – they refer to them as, like, walking Google and stuff like that. Huh. Um, so they're like data banks and they can like code stuff and like interact with technology and stuff. Um, and uh, so like that's cool in and of itself. That's a cool setup. And the whole like story revolves. It opens with the first murder in like 500 plus years. Oh. Um, so like none of the police know how to deal with it. They brought in. They requested a Green Lantern. The Guardian sent her. And uh, her ring is weird. Like it's, so? Um, so, like, for those who don't know much about the Green Lanterns, uh, their rings essentially make their will manifest. Okay. So it draws from their strength of will, and it makes things they can imagine manifest in reality. Right. Um, so, like, if you're super strong-willed, which has always been Hal Jordan's thing, like, a lot of people underestimate Hal Jordan and, like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. He's just, like, some dude with a super special ring. But, like, his whole thing is that he's so brave and courageous and, like, willing to do the right thing that his, like, strength of will is, like, exponentially higher than everybody else's. And that actually is what makes Sinestro such a bad dude because Sinestro was a really good Green Lantern because his strength of will 
is so strong that he was willing to turn on the Green Lanterns and start the Sinestro Corps and be focused on fear um, because he felt so betrayed. You know what I mean? So he was willing to, like, completely make them an enemy, this huge, like, powerful force. So, like, his strength of will is insanely strong, so he would have been, like, the greatest Green Lantern ever. Um, Anywho. (laughs) And, uh, but the kind of caveat to those rings is that they have to be charged every now and then. So you have like a lantern battery and you have to plug that thing in and be like recite a poem. Uh, It's like charging your phone. Perhaps a sonnet. Yeah. It would be like every time your phone is dying, you have to plug it in and like quote a haiku and then you unplug it and it's fine. Please don't give Google any ideas. Um, (laughs) I'd be down. Uh, But yeah, so hers you don't find this out in the book, but it's mentioned in an interview in the back. She doesn't have to charge it. Oh. It, first of all, it looks kind of weird. Like, it's got these, like, vines, like, tangly things on it. Oh. It's not just, like, a flat, like, ring. Weird. Okay. Um, And it kind of seems like she can't fly. She can't fly? So the, there's some weirdness going on. She, like, rides in people's cars, and they're like, hey, you people fly. And she's like, I just didn't feel like it. And there's one part where she has to get to, like, the police station so she just like legs it to the police station so there's like subtle hints that she can't fly interesting at one part she goes to manifest like a set of chairs for her and this inspector to sit in at this table and this like weird little alien dude pops up in her chair and then she like she's like damn it and then it pops away and she like gets in the chair so there's something funky going on with her ring so i'm excited to see where that goes um overall she's a cool character she's very fun um but not like she's not trying to the they did a good job not writing her sometimes when they write in like this is a new young this person like oh it's new young supergirl or like new young green lantern or right. new young flash they're like quippy and energetic and like <laughs> like yeah look at how cool i am you know what i mean yes but she honestly <laughs> feels a lot everyone like everyone in young justice right now <laughs> she feels a lot like john stewart to be honest. Oh. So she's very, like, calm, but, like, doesn't take shit from people. Hashtag my favorite. Yeah, yeah, it's very, like, <laughs> very cool and collected and, like, knows what she's doing. Even though she admits in her inner monologue, like, I've never done this before. Like, I'm making it up as I go. But she, like, still is, like, very, like, you got to do this and this and this. And, like, knows what she's doing. That's awesome. Um, at one point, someone refers to, like, somewhere high up on the planet refers to her as the human and she's like, um, this is my name. That will be fine. Thank you. You know, and stuff like that. So she's hmm. a cool chick. I, I'm really interested in that character. Nice. Um, they did a good job writing her, making her interesting and not just like young, fun, blank. Right. Which is what they tend to do. They're yeah. like, you know, how Superman's all uptight and noble. Well, here's young, fun, super boy, you know, right. and stuff like that. Like even Bendis, admittedly, in the Leviathan series has done that with Damien. Oh, yeah. You know, where Though it's I like... I kind of love it. Damien Wayne is like... <laughs> Damien's kind of a Son of the league... Like, the leader of the League of Assassins. And in a lot of, like, his early appearances, he was, like, killing and eating bats in the Batcave and stuff and was, like, basically a little psychopath. And he does have quips and he is funny and stuff. But, like, I feel like Bendis just took it to the extreme of, like, here's young, fun Robin, you know? and yeah. It's weird. Anyway, um, Far Sector is very, very cool. 
it's a young animals thing, so it's okay. part of their like young animals line. Right. And I thought that was interesting because they got Jamal Campbell to do the art, and a lot of their young animal stuff. Some of it's been better than others, but a lot of it, the art tends to be more on that kind of like. I don't want to say hipstery, but it's the only word that comes to mind. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of like avant-garde, like it's slightly vintage, but it's the type of art you'd expect to find in like a Fantagraphics book. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They tend to like lay into a lot of that, which is fine. It makes sense for a lot of the IPs. Uh, but this one had like real good, like really solid Jamal Campbell art in it. And I just thought that was really cool. So it might appeal to people that have been shied away. Because I know some people don't like that more, like, kind of avant-garde-ish, like, underground-ish type art. and um, Roguish type art. Yeah. And uh, so this one might be more appealing to people because it felt like more of just a normal, like, kind of straightforward comic. But it was very, very well done. Nice. So. Awesome. So next on the docket... (coughs) <coughs> sorry guys next on the docket is event leviathan um i know <laughs> <laughs> so admittedly you've probably already heard who leviathan is because the internet is super mad about it if you haven't turn the podcast off because we're going to talk about it now i don't want to talk too much about it because I do have a thought that I want to share about Bendis uh-huh. in regards to this. But Leviathan turned out to be a manhunter, which I yeah. learned what manhunters were in this book now. Apparently, they were like Green Lanterns before Green Lanterns were Green Lanterns. Yeah. Um, and they were trying to bring like justice and order to the universe, which, okay, cool. <clears throat> um, I had never heard of this guy before. I... Didn't know anything about him. I didn't know there were other Manhunters. I didn't know what a Manhunter was before this book. Like, before the Event Leviathan series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It it felt kind of unimpactful. Is yeah. that a word? <laughs> it felt super anticlimactic. It yeah. just felt like... It felt like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just the reveal of somebody you literally spend like six issues being like oh my god who is this person and everyone's running around like all these detectives are suspecting each other and they're like oh it's totally red hood because he looks like red hood so let's go after red hood and they're like oh it could be amanda waller hey it could be lois lane like they're all over the place uh with you know it could be steve trevor like they're all over the place with these characters that are like engaged characters that have been in the dc universe for a long time and are still active in the dc universe and then you pull out somebody who like has been a side character for most of his experience in the dc universe like his most recent like real involvement was a background character in the manhunter series about the like female manhunter that's in event leviathan you know what i mean (laughs) before that he was like member three of this iteration of this suicide squad you know what i mean like that's that's who you're pulling in as like the big bad the this person is somebody that hasn't had a direct effect on the dc universe for like decades that's stupid that's just dumb it was a weird deep cut for deep cut's sake yeah like 
So what I think is weird, though, maybe not weird. I don't, I don't entirely understand what his plan is. So something that I've noticed that is happening right now is that when Bendis started at DC, it was like a shotgun of Bendis on the wall. Because he was writing Event Leviathan. He's writing all of his Jinx Club stuff. He was writing Superman. He was writing um, Young Justice. He was writing um, uh, Action Comics. Mm-hmm. Writing all of this stuff. Just everything. Everywhere. There's You can't get away from Bendis at DC. He's everywhere. Yeah. Well, now he's starting to plug them into each other. Uh-huh. So, like, Event Leviathan, this story arc is going into Action Comics. And Superman went into the new, um, uh, no, 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 the future one. Legion and Superhero. Legion. Thank you. I kept wanting to say JLA, and I was like, that is not right. That is not right. Um, yeah, so Superman is going into Legion of Superheroes, and the Young Justice people are now working with, um, What's her name? I you just Naomi. Said, Naomi. God, I can't remember anything. <laughs> you have memory problems. I'm today. having memory problems. And so and Young Justice is now cross siding with Naomi. And so he's weirdly plugging all of these things that he's yeah. written into each other. And I think that's interesting, but I don't know what the purpose is. Like did he come to DC and he was like, I wanna write this book, this book, and this book. But I have to write this book, this book, this book, this book, this book, this book to get all of that stuff tied up together to be able to write this other thing to do it how I want to do it in this way. It's, Maybe, yeah. It's, it's kind of frustrating because it feels like so much of mainstream DC became like Bendis side fodder to get to the pieces he actually wanted to write. Uh-huh. And I think that's weird. Like, that seems weirdly selfish. Like, I love Bendis, and I think Bendis is an amazing author, but, like, to usurp so many of the IPs in the DC universe mm-hmm. for, like, three books that didn't exist yet, that's just a weird way to go <coughs> about yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, that um that happens with different writers. Like, I mean, Donny Cates doing the same thing. You know, like, he... Silver Surfer Black, which spun out of Guardians. He's got Guardians going on. Um, you know, he's curating the Thanos run that's been going on and then wrote the Thanos run, which gave us Cosmic Ghost Rider, which he's curating the Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. He's got Absolute Carnage going on, which spins out of his Venom run. You know what I mean? Like, when you get an, a writer that is just full of ideas, they're going to, like, write and then interconnect and then interconnect and interweave and make sure their characters are popping up all over the place if i had to guess naomi's probably a product of the contract with bendis when dc like negotiated him over where he was like i want to create a new character i want that to be like the first thing that i do and then they were like okay well we're not gonna just give you an ongoing so how about you get a mini to introduce your new character and then you can integrate her into something else I guess because I mean she popped up in Superman too. Yes, I guess to me the mild difference is that Donny Cates isn't writing Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Spider Man. Like 
Yeah, fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be different, I feel like, if Bendis went over and started writing, like, Green Arrow and, like, a Batman Beyond or something like some random but, I mean, side just, side yeah. IPs. But he literally took over everybody's main front IPs. Not really. It I mean, like. No, like, I mean, like, he's not writing Flash. Not writing Green and Lantern. True. He's not writing Wonder Woman. He's not writing Batman. He's just writing Superman. You know, Young Justice is in people's main squeeze. You know? I guess, like, Legion I guess, of Superheroes is in people's main squeeze. I guess the Ben Leviathan felt weird because it had all the main characters in it. Yeah, and it, it had promised to be, like, a big crossover event. Yeah. And then it kind of just, like, got shoved to the side during the whole, like, Batman who laughs stuff. Right, you right, know right, what I mean? right. And I guess that's part of why I'm, like, weirded out. Because it just feels like he touched on these, like, big main characters for, like, really random ends. Mm-hmm. And that, that feels weird. Like, that's why, it, to me, it feels different than, like, Donny yeah. Cates playing with, like, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Like, yeah, it was like um, a huge continuity thing. You know, it was, it was like a... They did this whole... They had the whole idea for this Year of the Villain thing. And then they were like, hey, we're going to do Advent Leviathan as part of that. And... But then Event Leviathan really, like, got overshadowed by, like, what Lex Luthor is doing in the Justice League books, which is, like, the main, like, year of the villain story arc. Right. And then the, like, Batman who laughs rolling around infecting people. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's everywhere, and that's, like, getting advertised all the time, and it's getting mentioned in all these other books, and then Event Leviathan isn't getting mentioned anywhere. You know what I mean? So it just feels like it's become this sort of like supplementary thing on the side. Um, and I don't know. It was kind of a, it did kind of go out with a whimper, not with a bang. So makes you wonder, did he have bigger plans? And then when event Leviathan kind of got shoved to the sidelines by issue three, he was like, well, screw that. I'm going to do something totally random. That doesn't matter. Maybe or DC, maybe he wanted to have the reveal be better. And DC was like, no, like you can use somebody who's like kind of lame. You know what I mean? Um, I think my biggest, honestly, more so than the reveal of who Leviathan was, my biggest letdown with Leviathan is that now Leviathan's just, like, a normal bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, he went from being this, like, kind of cool, like, I'm doing this for the right reasons, I really want to work with Superman, and he had all this promise to, like, where it would have been cool to see him actually, like, convince. So similar to how, like, Batman Who Laughs literally has infected people in the main storyline. Like, Shazam is infected right now. Supergirl is infected right now to the extent that upcoming Supergirl issues are going to feature infected Supergirl. Hawkman is infected right now to the extent that the most recent issue of Hawkman had Sky Tyrant, the infected Hawkman, in it. You know what I mean? So, like, these people are actually infected, and that's part of their story. It would have been cool if Leviathan did the same thing, where it was like, hey, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Justice system's not working. The vigilantism's not working. Join me. And people like Batgirl or even Superman or some of the Teen Titans, maybe Damien, like somebody was like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. I'm going to join Leviathan and like actually signed on with this dude. But then at the end of this book, then at the end of this book, and again, sorry for spoilers, he's just like, I'm going to burn it all down. And now he's just like a normal supervillain. He's just going to like wreck shit. And he's an anarchist now as opposed to like trying to do betterment he went in 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 one book he went from lawful good to like chaotic chaotic neutral yeah just like 
boom in a switch because Boring. Superman didn't join him and it's like it just would have been cool to see like Batgirl joins Leviathan she likes what he's saying and now the Batgirl books are like event Leviathan continuation books yeah you know what I mean but alas that's not what we got or maybe by the end of the book Lois is convinced and is like holy shit like my dad kind of came up with this plan and he didn't mean to but he was right yeah the execution of it is actually kind of right you know i watch my husband every day like beat up people that just like get shot into space and then come back eventually you know like i'm gonna sign on with this and then boom we've got lois in leviathan and that would be cool but it kind of does make sense though maybe maybe some of these things were on the plan and then after you know other books got more established like the lois lane book kind of has its own thing going on and like maybe some of these other books that he was going to try and tie in it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. like symbiotically yeah and so then it just sort of ended up into like a nah yeah yeah i don't know event leviathan just never really went anywhere for me yeah it was just kind of like a back and forth it was like six issues to say something that could have been wrapped up in two yeah you know and the, the reveal in and of itself wasn't that great you know, I, I would have pushed for, like, a disillusioned Batgirl, you know. That would have been really cool. Or, like, I don't know, any, like, even, like, Lois's dad being, like, surprise, MFO, yeah. and, like, it was me the whole time. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It yeah. just it just didn't seem worth it. Bummer. Um, but. All right, guys. Um, another one I really want to talk about this week is a book called Black Stars Above. Um, it's by Lonnie Nadler, who you may or may not know from like Age of X Men uh-huh. and his book series called The Dregs and stuff. The Dregs. He's he's a seasoned seasoned writer. Um, Black Stars Above is really cool. Um, it's stylized very differently from standard comic fare. Uh-huh. It's relatively low on dialogue. Hmm. It's primarily taken as this woman in a cabin we we open with this woman in a cabin with a baby writing in a journal about how things got messed up bad um it's very old feeling it takes place in like more um like frontierland type days in like canada okay um i think like are there any guys on buffalo not that I have seen. I don't know how many buffalo are in Canada. Uh, but... I just, that's the only frontiersy thing I know. <laughs> well, this is like... Guy on a buffalo. This is, from what I can tell, I have to remember, I think it says, like, late 1800s, early 1900s. Nice. Um, she comes from a family of fur trappers. They typically are trapping, like, beavers and making fashion. Um... But things are getting real. And it's interesting because, like I said, it's taken from, like, her writing actively in a journal. Uh-huh. And so there's this really cool, subtle thing where, like, she'll start to write something and then they cross it out. And then they write what she actually put down in the book. So, like, we're literally seeing it as if she's, like, writing it. She's like, no, 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 I don't want to say that. Yeah, yeah. Which I just think is a really cool, subtle thing. Um, but the book itself is very horror based um there's a weird dude that like gives her a side quest like hey deliver this thing for me 
She's just like rolling through the streets and he's got an exclamation point over his head. Effectively, yes. Yeah. He's literally like on a stoop and he's like, excuse me, you there. And she's like, what? <clears throat> and he's like, will you do this thing for me? And she's like, no. And Collect like, 50 troll pelts, please. And he's like, I'll give you a ton of money. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speak. And it's cool because there's, like, family drama between her and her parents who are effectively trying to, like, wet her off in a really unceremonious, unpleasant way. Um, and the character is very, like, relatable. Like, cool. she doesn't feel overly... There, There's this weird line that is done when men write female characters. Um, sometimes they're overly feminine. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're, like androgynous and then sometimes there's that beautiful line where it's it's definitely a woman and certain characteristics are very feminine but otherwise they're just people where they kind of just make them a normal woman yes yes it's surprisingly how it's surprising how difficult that is (laughs) oftentimes to do but this feels like that this feels um very much that she is she is a very approachable woman and it's it doesn't surprise me too much though because lonnie nadler also did the x-men black series <coughs> oh and cool. so he's the one that did the emma frost emma frost and, and the emma frost mini was amazing it was good i love yeah. that so um but it's it's spooky and the art is cool and there's like supernaturally stuff we think there's like it it's it honestly reminds me kind of of this recent thing that was done. I don't know how much you guys watch the interwebs, the tubes, um, but Markiplier actually recently put out a thing that was kind of like partially animated, partially like... Oh, the Damien yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that. Like she's in the woods and can't get out and gets lost and like there's yeah. like weird noise coming from this package and like huh. it's creepy and it's awkward and unsettling and there's like demon stars and a ladder to the moon and like it is oh wow it is that's bonkers it that's is really cool bonkers but so grounded in this like historical reality speaking of bonkers we got disney plus and we're gonna talk about <laughs> the mandalorian <laughs> sorry pumping up that seo yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That there's a 40-minute plug <laughs> for you people keeping count. Oh, but this book is just really good. I, I, it's, like I said, it's super. It sounds like a kind of frontiersy, like, sinuous sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that PlayStation game about, like, the chick with mental illness. Right. And, and it's very based in, like, a very real-feeling environment, but also there's just this weird nods to superstition and supernatural and it gets you know really uncomfortable yeah and i love that i That's love cool. it so it sounds really dope this was this was a sleeper book for me so I'm, I'm feeling it wasn't the green lantern book you read the other like last week or something also a black stars yes so of the two black star books that you've read <laughs> which would you prefer if somebody goes to the shop and they're like you know I want to find a comic book, but I don't know what I want. And they, like, pull up a random word generator. And they're like, I'm going to pick two words. And those two words are going to be the book I'm going to look for. And they get black and star. 
Well, now they have two options. Okay. Here's there's one question that has to be asked before I can give the answer to this person. Uh-huh. Are they wearing a black leather jacket with spikes on it? Yes. Then I would go Green Lantern. <laughs> that was the most metal book I've ever read in my entire life. Are they rocking like St- like Doc Martens with steel toe? I oh, would say gr- so punk rock. I would say Green Lantern. If That's they're so wa- punk rock. if they're wearing like a Metallica shirt yeah. and like have a black eye, I would say probably the Green Lantern book. Everybody else, I I'd go with this one. Right on. What if they're rocking a Megadeth shirt and they have a broken nose? Probably Green Lantern. Okay. Yeah, cool. that would be my suggestion. Well, ask them how they broke their nose, because if they broke their nose like falling out of a tree saving a cat, maybe this one? Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) What day the guy on a buffalo (laughs) went romping around in plane? If you guys haven't seen that on YouTube. Saul Bear said, oh man, gotta get away from the bear. Uh, we're, we should put a link. Okay. In it we'll add, it. we'll add the link. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. Blog. It'll be yeah. on our blog. One of my favorite things in, in the history of the internet is guy on a Buffalo. Uh, you, you can look can it up Google on, it. you can look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's fantastic. It's like four or five episodes it's and it's, it's just great. It's a weird and life. And I sometimes just pull it up to feel good about my day because it's, <laughs> it's just fantastic. It's just wholesome so fun and it's just good stuff. Um, so yeah (laughs) and it's totally related to everything we just talked about it's not related to anything we just discussed any hoozles uh that's gonna do it for us i'm going to go get more medication into my body essentially just gonna go to the medicine cabinet start hucking things into my mouth and whatever stays is what i'm gonna go with. and i'm going to go put on like six medical masks so that i don't get infected again if you guys want to hear more cover b uh you can check us out online at coverbpodcast.com if you want to get up to date on news and funny stuff and our reactions to gail simone being crazy on twitter you can find us on twitter and facebook at cover b podcast and you can buy our cool merch like shirt or hat and stuff at our website real talk it's really hard to keep up with gail simone being crazy on twitter because she is a pro and does it all the time she's so skilled at it too like she Uh, says stuff and i'm like oh that just pissed off everyone in the best way so (laughs) if you haven't heard uh we got disney plus and we're gonna be talking about the mandalorian so keep an eye out next wednesday we'll be talking about the first episode of the mandalorian our kind of thoughts and feels about it as we have a real extra mandalorian episode come out then uh in the meantime uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Get out and read some comics. Get out and enjoy the post-Arctic blast weather. And hopefully don't get sick. Lots of vitamin C. Stay well, stay warm, stay dry. Yep. And we will catch you back here for next episode of Cover B. Bye, everybody. Adios. Adios.